0: Tonight, we're going to finish up the series on angels. How many of you, and I always find this interesting, but how many of you can say, I know in my lifetime, I've had an intervention of an angel somewhere along the way? See, that's most of the people in here. Isn't that powerful? I'm going to talk to you tonight about angelic activity today, and then I'm going to share with you my own testimony. So let's… Let's stand together, and this is the last in the series on angels, and I hope that uh, you've uh, gotten something out of this. I know I have. I love studying the Word of God. I, I love feeding on it, and I, and I love teaching it. So let's, uh, here's an anonymous quote about angels. Let me just read it to you, then we'll read the, the verse together. In their protective roles, angels are in no way precious moments like cream puffs. They can be the fiercest of warriors and the swiftest of rescuers. And angelic determination knows no bounds. After all, they're on a mission from God. Now let's read first Peter three uh, twenty-two together, can we? Christ has gone to heaven and is on the right side of God. Angels and powers of heaven are obeying him ongoingly daily, minute by minute, angels are being commanded by Christ. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word. I pray that tonight, Lord, you'll help us to be ever more thankful for the ministry of angels and aware of their ministry, for they are ministering all the time on behalf of those who are going to be heirs of salvation. Open our eyes, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. You can be seated. Let me just do a quick recap. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've seen that angels can guide us. Think about that. We usually talk about the Holy Spirit guiding us, but an angel can guide you. An angel can guide you, and you not even know it. All right? Uh, Protect us from danger. They deliver us, as in the case of Peter's deliverance from prison. They comfort us as they comforted Paul in a vicious storm at sea. Can you imagine being comforted by an angel? We talk about the comforter of the Holy Ghost, but we need to be aware that sometimes angels comfort. Okay? Uh, or how about Daniel's deliverance from the hungry lions? He testified the Lord sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. Uh, how about this? They can strengthen and provide for us as they did Elijah in the wilderness. Now, I want you to notice this strengthen and provide, because part of my own testimony has to do with the strengthening. They can strengthen and provide for us. Remember, the angel gave to Elijah food, saying to him, Arise and eat and he arose and he ate the food the angel brought and went forty days and nights in the strength of that one meal and scripture speaks more generally about the ministry of angels by saying all angels are spirits who serve what or who do they serve god sends them to serve those who will receive salvation turn your neighbor and say that be you let's try that again some of you just look at me Try it again. I want you to preach a little bit. That'd be you. That'd be you. All right. How many of you can say, I know I'm an heir of salvation? All right. They are sent to minister. You're a marked person. Yes. Angels know you're saved. And think about this. God knows your name so much that he can turn to an angel and say, go protect Matthew. Go protect Bob. Go protect Kathy. Where'd Kathy go, by the way? <laughs> go protect Ron. In other words, it's an individual thing. He sends angels with your name and says, protect them. I want you to get this because we we can go past this and kind of, it goes in one ear and out the other and we don't stop to think about what we're really reading. There is a, there is a, and a, I believe that there are satanic assignments where the enemy targets you by name. And I believe that there are angelic assignments where God gives an angel your name and says, go and watch over them, guide them, strengthen them, protect them, deliver them. And I want us to get this, comfort them. And I'll tell you folks, where our nation is headed You're going to think someday back on these times where we've talked about angels. God's going to bring it to your memory. You're going to remember the nights you listened to Pastor Jeff talking to you about angels. You're going to think about it. You're going to remember what we saw in the Word. Because our nation is headed for some rocking and rolling, let me tell you some tough times. And there's going to be a lot of angelic activity. Are y'all with me now? Oh, I, I know this. I believe it with all my heart. Some of us will have perished if not for the deliverance of angels. Now, we've also seen that angels can bring judgment, can't they? They're very involved in the judgment of, judgments of the last days. Read the book of Revelations. It's amazing how often angels are mentioned. Just before fire and brimstone fell on Sodom because of its sins, the angel said to Lot and his family, get out of here, flee, run. And what did they say, everybody? Read it with me. For we will destroy this place. Who was going to destroy that place? Angels. They were sent with an assignment from God to take out Sodom and Gomorrah for its reprobate sin. We will destroy this place. Now read it with me. The Lord has sent us to destroy it. That's an angel. A good angel. Now, in many places in the Bible, God tells us that he will use angels to execute his judgments on all those who have refused to obey his will by failing to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. For instance, Jesus Himself said, let's read it together, the Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Who who does the casting of people? And, And you know, I'm just reading what Jesus said. I know this is hard. I know this is hard, but folks, the same Bible that gives us this gave us John 3, 16. The same Bible that gave us this gave us John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus was always talking about the Holy Ghost that I'm going to send to you. And he's going to watch over you and comfort you and lead you and guide you and teach you and bring to your remembrance everything that I have said to you. In other words, you can't take part in the New Testament because it's positive and say I like that but I don't like this and so I don't know if he really said that or not. The same Jesus who said God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son told us in the last times the angels are going to be dispatched by God and they are so highly magnificently intelligent that they're going to know who is lost And who is saved? You got a mark on you. To angels, you glow in the dark. We remember that it was an angel that moved through Egypt. And when he saw the blood on the doorpost, he passed over that house. And judgment didn't fall on that house. That was an angel in Egypt, an angel. And he brought judgment on the Egyptians. But the people of God were spared because of the blood. And I got to tell you folks something. You're going to hear from this preacher as time, as as we move on with this church and we get into that building and the crowds increase, I am going to so preach the blood. I'm going to so preach salvation because the time is so short. I feel an urgency about it. Now, I'm not going to get up there and talk about motivational message, how to succeed and get wealthy. Leave that to someone else. I want to get you spiritually wealthy. If you get spiritually wealthy, no telling what's going to happen out here. Hallelujah. Yes, right. I'm just telling you, this is real. These angels are going to be dispatched in the last times. It's one of the ministries of angels. And they're going to know the lost from the found, and they're going to separate the lost from the found. That's what Jesus said. And the fate of the lost is more than I can comprehend. But Christ Jesus said it, and that's all that matters to me. For me, it all comes down to Jesus and what he said. Now, the Bible teaches that God is literally recording not only the words and actions, but all the thoughts and intents of our heart are being recorded. Someday we're going to have to give an account, and at that time, our final destiny is going to be determined by whether we have received or rejected Jesus. Period. That's it. It's quiet in here. Paul wrote that God, look what Paul wrote. He said, God would give to those that is Christians who had been troubled, quote, Rest with us, God will give rest with us, those of you who have been troubled for your faith, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with who, everybody, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's it. Now, I say, Well, that's narrow. If you're right, you should be narrow. No, Jesus did not leave it open to option. He didn't leave it open to debate. In both good and fearsome ways, angels play a huge role in the overall scheme of things. So when are angels active in our lives today? Let's real quickly go over when they're active in our lives today. First of all, and this is my favorite, angels rejoice in the salvation of sinners. Angels have emotions just like we do they have emotions and they rejoice when somebody gets saved i love seeing people get saved and i always imagine in my mind's eye when i see people down here getting saved i always imagine rejoicing taking place in heaven i always imagine it i I imagine well I, i feel happy but if i feel happy angels are rejoicing in heaven way more than me they're in the presence of god jesus gives several striking stories in Luke 15 about this very thing. In one story, a man had a hundred sheep. When one was lost, he left the 99 in the wilderness to seek him. When he found the sheep, he slung it over his own shoulders and brought it back to the fold. At home, he summons his friends, saying, What everyone? Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Then Jesus said, I say to you, that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over even one sinner that repents more than over ninety-nine just persons who showed up at Turning Point on a Sunday morning. <laughs> just trying to make it real to you. When when we show up to church, oh yeah, it, it pleases God. We should come to church. But when a sinner repents, it causes a party in heaven. Now. You notice that in in that parable, he said there's joy in heaven, but he gets more specific in the second story. A woman who lost a valuable silver coin sweeps her house carefully in search of it, and at last when she finds the coin, she calls her friends and neighbors saying, what everyone? Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Then Jesus says, likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of who? The angels of God over one sinner who repents just one if you go off into skid row and you lead one person to Jesus there are angels that are rejoicing watching that so do you see how how amazingly aware they are of what happens on earth how aware they are i mean they're watching what we do the bible even calls them witnesses of our own lives they're watching perched over heaven watching what goes on in the lives of believers. Jesus makes it very clear that the angels have their eyes on every person. Amazing. That's amazing. They're aware of the salvation of the high and the mighty and of the poor and the destitute. If the angels did not care for you and me, they would be indifferent to our salvation. But guess what, everyone? They are not indifferent because they love us as God loves us. They reflect His character. They reflect His character. If they didn't care about us, they wouldn't rejoice when we got saved. They care. Angels are active today. Here's another way they're active today. Angels are active today by guiding, protecting, delivering, comforting, strengthening, providing for, and ministering to God's people. That is powerful. Here's another way they're active today. They may play a part In a person's calling to ministry, angels play a part, they can play a part in someone's calling to ministry. In the year that King Uzziah died, for instance, the prophet Isaiah saw the Lord. You can read about this in Isaiah 6. And here's what he said I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He had a vision of God in the middle of tragedy his king died it's like if our president died when Kennedy died there was sorrow over the whole nation when King Uzziah died it was a tragic insecure time and that is when God chose to step in and give Isaiah a vision and he saw the Lord filling his temple And present also in the temple were the angelic creatures we've talked about here one Wednesday night. Seraphim. And look what they were crying. Let's say it together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. That's what the seraphim were saying. Worshiping God. And it says the voice of the seraphim was so strong that it literally shook the post of the door rattled the foundation of that place their voices were so powerful Isaiah's response was first he was completely undone by what he saw and heard woe is me he cried for I am undone I am undone second he was filled with a sense of his own sinfulness He said, here's why I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I say things I shouldn't say. Think things I shouldn't think. And I dwell in the midst of a people who do the same thing. And at this very moment, one of the seraphim flew to him. Can you imagine? And touched his mouth with a live coal, symbolic of the Holy Spirit and the blood. And said to him, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. I feel like I'm walking on holy ground. And now look what happened after the angel approached him. Isaiah next heard the call of God. And what was God saying? Whom shall I send? I don't think his call has changed whom shall I send and who will go for what did he say there so this is the whole Trinity God the Father Son and Holy Ghost are involved in this calling who will go for us and Isaiah's immediate response was total surrender here am I send me notice that the angels were very involved in Isaiah's calling They spoke to him, they ministered to him, and they touched him. And he went out and became one of the most eloquent prophets in the whole Bible. Now, I want to share with you tonight my own story. I told you I would pray about it. I've never shared this with a congregation, ever. Um, Because I always thought of the verse, cast not your pearls before swine and I'm not calling anybody in here swine but I, I didn't even want one person hearing my testimony and mocking it or trampling it um, but this was 35 years ago and I feel okay about doing it now and I, and I want to just preface what I'm gonna share with you by this what I'm gonna share with you is very strong in no way Uh, is meant to lift me up. As a matter of fact, what it ought to do is lift up the God who touched me and not me. What happened to me had nothing to do with my being special. I'm not. I'm a person just like you. I'm not special. I'm not above anybody else. I'm not better than anybody else. I don't want you thinking any of those things as I share this with you. I only share this with you because I know the ministry of angels are real. So having said that, let me just tell you um, my testimony. When I was 16, I was saved in the Harry Hines Juvenile Detention Center. And when I got uh, saved there, I had never heard the gospel until I was in there as a 16-year-old. I was raised in a secular home, a totally irreligious home. Never heard the name of Jesus, didn't know anything about it, never been to church got sent to juvenile home, and I heard the gospel. And you know this. I've told you this story many times. I came to Christ. I got saved. But I didn't know anything beyond that. I didn't know that I should read the Bible. There wasn't anybody that followed up with me. I didn't know that I should go to church. I I was absolutely, totally, biblically illiterate. I didn't know anything, anything about what I should do. So when I got out of the juvenile home, I did what somebody who doesn't know what to do does. I just kind of wandered. And two years later, uh, somebody came to my door, an old drug friend, and he had a Bible in his hand. And he said, hey, you want to go to a Bible study tonight? And I said, a Bible study? What's that? Really? Seriously? And I said, where? And he said, well, it's in a house in South Fort Worth, or South Dallas, I'm sorry, South Dallas. And so I said, well, uh, (laughs) I guess so. So I've told you this story as well. I got there and walked in. And there were a room full of long-haired hippie types like me uh, lifting their hands, worshiping God. Their eyes weren't closed. They were wide open, and they looked like they were looking at something I couldn't see. And so I breathed a dangerous prayer, and I said, God, if I can have that, I'll do anything you want me to do. And pow, the Holy Spirit came upon me that night. And I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. All I knew was that all of a sudden I was being overwhelmed by a power that was like Somebody took the top of my head off and poured liquid love into me and it just began to envelop me. I had to go outside. I went outside into the front yard, just some South Dallas front yard. And and I began to worship God. I didn't know what worship was, but the Holy Spirit just began to move on me in a way that was extraordinary. I couldn't believe it. And that was just the beginning. From that night on... It happened all the time. And I I had a little efficiency apartment at this time. And I've told you, I learned during this, this particular season in my life to play guitar so I could sing to God. And I would go into my little efficiency apartment, and I would just get lost for hours on end in worship. And this same phenomenon of being overwhelmed and overpowered by the Holy Spirit would happen to me. And until finally, something else began to happen. I was at a Bible study one night and now I love going I mean I was there before the doors opened. I couldn't wait to worship God I couldn't wait for the leader to get out the guitar and lead us and worship God with all of my uh, peers. I couldn't wait I loved being fed I had a supernatural hunger and thirst for God that the Holy Spirit had awakened in me I mean just like just like I could not get enough of Jesus. I fell in love with Jesus. And so I started going to this Bible study and this one night, the leader was uh, teaching and he just quoted a verse. It was a verse out of the Song of Solomon. I've told you this story. It was a verse out of Solomon's song and it was just like it had a particular power with me. And it struck my heart. And the minute he quoted this verse, I felt suddenly this unbelievable, unquenchable, undeniable, irrefutable desire to preach. I just wanted to say the word. I'm going to move this so I can look at people better. I just wanted to say it. It was like this desire. I had to say it. I would go into the woods and preach to the birds and the squirrels, and I'm serious. I had Isaiah. I would open up Isaiah. I would say, I would I would go out to the woods. I'd tell Kathy I'm going out to the woods. This is how strong it was. I would go out there and I preach to the trees and the birds. There are converted squirrels today. No, serious. It's true. And, and I would preach the Word. I would read it and just preach it because it was an unquenchable desire to minister the Word, and it only got worse. I had terrible stage fright. I could not imagine myself in any way, shape, or form standing in front of people and saying anything. But this desire trumped my fears and so I began to ask God to open doors for me to preach, just anything. I said, Lord, this, this one, the more I prayed that he would take it away, the more it got hold of me. I have found when it comes to the call of God, you don't have to keep hold of it. It keeps hold of you. It seizes your heart. It grabs your soul and it will not let you go. And when something is the will of God, the more you pray about it, the more the Holy Spirit isolates that very thing that you're supposed to do. And it becomes something you've got to do. So I pray, God, open a door, open a door. I don't care if it's, you know, three people. I I don't care, just open a door. Well, this Bible study where this man had quoted this verse that had hit me like it did, I went to the Bible study one night and he said, Jeff, I got a phone call. And he said, uh, I got a call from a preacher who's going out of town. and He wants you to fill the pulpit. I gave him your name because I think you're supposed to do it. And I went into panic. I said, oh, no, 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 oh, no, no, I'm not ready. He said, yeah, you're, you're ready. God told me you're ready. I said, well, God told you wrong. I, I'm not ready. I'm really not ready. My hair was down to here, parted down the middle. I was six foot one, 130 pounds. I didn't know what a suit was. Wore blue jeans. Uh, I was not the type to stand into a pulpit and preach. I didn't know what to do. I wouldn't have known what to do. And the guy's name was Ron. And I said, "Uh, Ron, I can't do it. He said, Jeff, I already told him you were coming. (laughs) I said, well, you can just call him and tell him. He said, no. He said, now, you're going this was my leader he said the Lord told me you're going I went home sick I was sick to my stomach I fasted and I prayed I bound and I loosed all to get out of it <laughs> and hmm, I called Ron I said Ron I've been praying and I really don't think I'm ready And he said you're going Well, it was a couple of weeks away. That Tuesday night, I went to the Bible study. This was during the Jesus movement in the early 70s, when the Holy Spirit was moving all over the United States in powerful, mighty ways. And Dallas-Fort Worth was being rocked by the moving of the Holy Spirit. And so, druggies, hippies, countercultural people were being saved in droves filled with the holy spirit and the bible study i was going to was full of these people so this next tuesday night i went terrified i couldn't concentrate on anything i was so afraid of going and standing in front of people in a pulpit and saying anything so i walked in and this place was packed i went with a couple of friends walked in and it was packed didn't hear a thing he said All I could think about was, you're preaching next week. (laughs) So I went up to Ron afterwards and I said, Ron, I have this incredible desire to preach the Word of God, to say the Word of God, teach it, communicate it. But I'm terrified, Ron. And he said, let's go pray. Now, we were in a living room, a normal house living room. And there was a a normal house door that led into a study. The living room was connected to the study and divided by a door. So he took me into this study, and we sat down on the floor, and he took my hands. When he took my hands, um, I suddenly felt like I had grabbed hold of electric cables. It was like I had grabbed hold of electric wires and immediately my body went totally limp sitting down i could not even begin to lift myself up and i didn't understand what was happening to me and he began to pray in the spirit now i'm going to do my best to tell y'all what what happened as i remember it as i was holding Ron's hands and he was praying and I I went limp. Suddenly, it was like something else began to take place with me. Um, First, I began to just say the name of Jesus. It's all I knew. Here was one of the amazing things about this. There were several things I instantly knew. One, I knew that to say anything other than the name of Jesus would have been not good enough not clean enough not pure enough so all I said was Jesus Jesus and I began to cry uncontrollably and then I started to open my eyes and the room was too bright it was too bright and I knew I was not to open my eyes don't open your eyes then it began to happen quickly I was aware that I was no longer holding to Ron's hands I did not open my eyes And suddenly, I knew several things. I knew that standing to my right was Jesus. Standing to my right. He was in a long, white gown. He was not moving. He was not speaking. His hands hung down just like this. He was standing there motionless. And suddenly, I was aware of a thousand fingers touching me just aware up and down and up and down and up and down Uh, i don't know how many but i knew instantly it was not the holy spirit it was angels and i knew that they were plural and not singular and i knew that jesus was directing them with his thoughts He was not speaking they were doing exactly what he was telling them to do and I didn't know what that was I just knew it was being done and it peaked now you know my voice you know my voice carries by now I'm I am screaming the name of Jesus I am projecting the name of Jesus I knew I was not to move, I was not to open my eyes, I was to let them do whatever he was telling them to do. And it peaked, it increased until finally I thought, maybe I'm being raptured. Maybe he's been raptured. Maybe this is the big one. And it became, all I can tell you is it became extremely intense, extremely intense. I, it was distinctly different from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Distinctly different. It was not something that was being poured into me like the Holy Spirit. It was something touching me from outside. And they were ministering to me. I knew that. And I knew that the moment was so sacred and so holy, and so everything, that I could not say anything but Jesus and I could not move. It increased until finally I really did wonder, am I, am I being taken to heaven? I'm crying. I'm saying the name of Jesus. I'm cooperating I didn't know how long this went on. I just knew that it was fingers just like that touching me. And after I didn't know how long of this, I suddenly knew he was gone. And I knew only one or two of the angels were left and it was like they were finishing whatever they done, had done. And I knew I wasn't to move yet. Finally, I had a peace in my heart. You can open your eyes. I wonder what I would see when I open my eyes. And I got to tell you, the room looked like somebody had painted it with spiritual white. It just looked clean. I felt different. Ron was gone. I didn't even know he'd gone. I looked up at the grandfather clock that was in the room. This had gone on almost 30 minutes. And it was like, (sniffs) well, no, it was not like that. I had no sense of time. I just looked and I was surprised. I remember being surprised when I saw that 30 minutes had gone by. And I thought, now here is a mystery. How in the world did nobody come from that room On the other side of a door and check on me because I was yelling for 30 minutes, Jesus! And Ron wasn't there. So I stood up. I couldn't stand up. I was swaggering, stood up, got my balance, got my bearings where were my friends during all this? I came here because when I, we came into the room, there was almost a hundred people in the living room. I opened the door and went out there. I went up to Ron. He said, hey, I said, Ron, when did you leave? He said, as soon as I took your hands, the Holy Spirit told me to get up and leave. <laughs> I said, really? I said, Ron, do you have any idea what just happened to me? He said, no, what happened, man? I said, you have got to be kidding me. And I went up to the people that I came with, and I said, didn't you hear me? They said, we didn't hear a thing. Didn't hear a thing. Not a thing. I said, were you in here? We've been in here talking. What's the matter with you? I went and got into my car, I ran up a curb. I did, I ran up a curb. I I, I had to pray, Lord, now get me home. This was, this was profound. This was profound. And I asked God, I said, what was that? Because I can remember it vividly to this day, and it was 35 years ago, vivid to this day. I believe it was my ordination. It was my ordination. God called me to preach. And he also, it was to strengthen me. Because I was very weak. Very weak. I I had stage fright. I hadn't gotten past the ninth grade in high school. Um, I just fell in love with Jesus and got touched by the Holy Spirit. But I had no credentials, none. And yet he put that desire in me to preach. And so that night, I believe, were my papers. And it was my strengthening. Because when I went and preached in this church, I stood up in that pulpit with a ponytail. (laughs) And um, I didn't know how to put together a message. I had no idea what I was doing. But I preached. Ten minutes or so, gave an invitation, whoosh, down they came. So I saw something from that night on that could never be attributed to me. I believe it was my ordination, and I believe it was my strengthening. I can't tell you how many times in valleys and difficult times I've remembered back to that night and how real heaven was, how more real than anything in this room more real than anything in this room and I've never forgotten it it was a ministry of angels directed by Christ as he stood there now this is going to go over the air and to our radio listeners all I can tell you is it was real it was real And I've stepped out to share this story because I've never told a group, ever. I've told individuals who I knew, but I've never, ever told a group. I'm 53 now, and I've kind of gotten where I don't care (laughs) anymore. I just don't care anymore. (laughs) Now, you remember what I told you. It had nothing to do with me being special, nothing to do. I think it had to do with me being so weak that I needed more than maybe a lot of people did. And he blessed me, and he, and he called me. I am so irretrievably, hopelessly called. Woe is unto me if I don't preach the gospel. But that's my testimony, and it was as real as it could be. As real as it could be. And you never know. Now, don't go out looking for an angelic experience, because i tell you, that came to me I'll still never know there had to have been an angel at the door muffling me so that nobody out here heard it and walked in and interrupted divine surgery that's what it was he didn't want anybody coming in and one of the greatest testimonies to me of the whole thing was that nobody heard me (laughs) and they're all out there so amen Let's stand together, can we? Mm. Mm. Amen. Well, how many of you appreciated this series on angels? All right. Let's thank the Lord. Father, we thank you for the reality of the spirit world and that they have been sent to minister to those who are to be heirs of salvation. And Lord, we thank you for this truth. And we know that in the days to come, we can know in dangerous, perilous times that heaven is on our side. And we will not be amazed should an angel be sent to help us. And we expect, Lord, great angelic activity in the days that are soon to come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Yes, Kathy. Can you ask any friends or family of Jessica Aguilar to see me? Is there are any friends or family of Jessica Aguilar here? If you if you are, come see Kathy as soon as we're done, all right? All right. God bless you. There's food out there. It's not angels food.